The next stage in the process of the Saita is the claim would come to write down the parts of the Torah which are relevant on a piece of parchment and after that he's going to put the parchment into water and the writing on the parchment including Hashem's name will be dissolved in the water. Now this part of the process is explicit in the Torah. The Torah says that he should write down these curses, referring to what happens to the Soto when she drinks the water, if indeed she is guilty. The question is, is from which part of the Torah does he actually write down onto the parchment? According to the first opinion, only the parts of the Pesukim, which are not just telling the story or saying what needs to be done, but it's the parts of the Torah which is what the Kohen actually says to the woman. So, from the words of if a man did not lie down and have relations with you, Vagomer, etc. And he would read the rest of that Pasuk. The next Pasuk which begins, and if you strayed away from under your husband, you were disloyal, and he would finish that Pasuk. He does not write in part of the Megillah, the Pasuk which talks about how the Kohen will make the woman swear, because that's not what actually the Kohen says to the woman. That's what the Torah is saying needs to be done. But he would start in the middle of that posuk, and he would he would write, Hashem should deliver you with a curse and as an oath. And he finishes that posuk and then begins the next posuk, And these waters which bring about the curse and the punishment of the Saita, these waters will come into your stomach, to make the stomach bloat up and the thigh to fall. That's describing the actual consequence of what happens with the Saita. And then the end of that Pasuk, where it talks again about the what the woman should do, but not what is actually said, he does not write that part. He does not write those words that the woman will say, Amen, Amen. So that is the opinion of the Tanakama, that anything which the Torah says the Kohen should say, and it's not just saying what the Kohen should do, that is included, and even the parts which are not the actual curse itself, even the reason for the curse, the reason for the punishment that is also included. Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yosef says, Lo He wouldn't interrupt in the middle of the Pesukim. Everything which the Tanakhama said, according to Rabbi Yosef, you would say that, plus the bits in between. And the actual Pesukim, as they are brought in the Torah, are written down like that. Rabbi They would only write the part which says that Hashem will turn you into a curse and an oath. And these waters which bring about this curse and punishment will come into your stomach, etc. The Eina Koisev doesn't write that the woman will answer Amen Amen. According to Yehuda, only the curse and punishment itself are written in the parchment. Not even the part which talks about what she did wrong and why she's getting the curse. But only the curse and punishment itself what will happen to the woman, only that is written inside, because the Torah says, He'll write these curses. Doesn't say anything more than that, and therefore, according to Yehuda, that is all that is written inside the Megillah, meaning on this piece of parchment. He cannot write these psukim on a piece of wood, not on some sort of paper or parchment which is made out of grass. Not on half-processed parchment which hasn't yet been completed. Rather, it has to be written on regular parchment which has been processed properly. Just like what a safe turn needs to be written on. As the Pasuk says, by Sefer, it has to be written on a Sefer, which implies proper parchment. Now we're going to talk about the inks which can be used. He can't use Koimais, 
which is the gum, the sap of a tree. Rebbe can cantoim, some sort of black dye. nor can he use anything which leaves a mark once it's been dissolved in the water. It has to be that once it's dissolved, nothing is left on the parchment. Elabadiyoi, rather, regular ink needs to be used. Shalem, as the Pasuk says, and it will be rubbed out or be erased in the water. So it has to be writing which can be erased. Mishnah Hay, at the end of those Pesukim which we read in, in Mishnah Gimel, it says, that the woman will answer, Omein, Omein. Now, the word Omein is to accept what has been said. So she's accepting upon herself everything that has been said until then. But why does she need to say Omein twice? About what is she saying Omein twice? What is she accepting upon herself? Answers the Mishnah. She's saying Omein about the curse, that she is accepting that indeed if she is guilty, then all of those curses and punishments should come upon her. And, Omein ala Shavua, she is also saying Omein about the oath. The Pesukim before that read that the Kohen makes the woman swear that she has not um, indeed strayed away from her husband and had relations with another man. So the two Omeins reflect these two things. Firstly, she's making a Shavua, she is swearing that she did not have these illegal relations. And secondly, she is saying that if I did, then all of these punishments and curses which are described in the Torah should come upon me. Now, there's a concept known as Gilgal Shavua. Gilgal Shavua refers to when somebody makes an oath. For example, let's say somebody claims that someone else owes him money. So he's not always able to just make his friend swear to him that he doesn't owe the money. Only if his claim is supported, and only if the conditions are fulfilled, can he make the other person swear. By the rule of Gilgal Shavua, once you're able to make somebody swear about one thing, you can now make him swear about other things as well. Even though for the other things, you haven't necessarily got a valid reason to be able to make him swear. So too, regarding the Saita. The only Shavua which really he's got a reason and basis to make her swear is that she didn't have relations with the man about whom he gave her Kinui. And there are witnesses that she had Stira with him. However, by Gilgal Shavua, she is made to swear that she also didn't have relations with any other man. Omein Mish is there, she says Omein about this man, and she repeats it, Omein Mish Acher, to hint to the fact that she is swearing that she also has not had relations illegally with another man, even if she didn't receive kinry regarding that man. Omein Shaloi Sotisi Arusa, she's also adding Omein in order to swear that she didn't commit adultery whilst she was only an Arusa. The Erosin is the first stage of marriage, where she becomes forbidden to marry anybody else, but she's not yet permitted to marry her future husband. Only once they go through the final stage of the marriage, known as Nisuin, only then can she marry her husband. So now they've been married for many years, and she became a Saita. She now also needs to swear that during their Erosin period, after she received Erosin, but not yet Nisuin, that back then she also didn't have relations with any other man. Unasua, and of course, that she didn't commit adultery throughout their marriage once she was already fully married. Now, there's a law that if somebody dies without having children, there's a mitzvah on that dead man's brother to marry the dead man's wife, the widow. That's known as yibum. And the law is that as soon as the man dies, she is forbidden to marry anybody else except for this dead man's brother. Alternatively, the dead man's brother could do something known as chalitza, which is how he can free her to marry somebody else. But without doing chalitza, she's forbidden to marry anybody else except for this man. And we're talking about a situation where indeed she did marry that man, the dead man's brother. And now after a few years, she, com- she became a saita.
So just like a regular Saita is made to swear also about the Aresin period, so too this woman would be made to swear that she also didn't have relations with another man between that time that her first husband died and she performed Yibum with that man's brother. So Vishomeris Yavam, that she didn't commit adultery whilst she was a Shomeris Yavam, whilst she was waiting to go and marry this dead man's brother, Ochanusa, and after we performed Yibum and we were fully married. Now it should be noted that the next mission is going to say that she only needs to swear about not having relations if the relations which she would have had would have forbidden her to be with her husband. So once she's fully married, then certainly any relations which she has willingly with another man forbid her to remain married with her real husband. And the same applies for all of the things which she swears about which we have listed so far. However, regarding a Shemaris Yovam, that is not so simple. According to the opinion of our Mishnah, if she were to have relations with somebody else during that period, then she would be forbidden to marry and perform Yibum with that man. That is the opinion of our Mishnah, and therefore she would swear about this as well. So all of these things are because of the concept of Gilgal Shavua. Now the Mishnah goes back to what we said at the beginning of the Mishnah, that she makes, says Amen about the Shavua and Amen about the curse and punishments. So what does that mean? It means that Amen Shalonit Macy. Omein, I'm agreeing, I'm making a Shavuot that I didn't become impure, that I didn't have these illegal relations. And the second Omein is the Imnit Macy. If I indeed did have these illegal relations, then your Vayubi, these punishments and curses, should come upon me. Meir says he takes the Gilgal Shavuot a step further. He says that via Gilgal Shavua, we can make her swear not to do this in the future as well. Omein Shalom Yit Macy, she says Omein that I didn't have these illegal relations. And Omein Shalom Yit she's saying Omein that she's making a Shavua not to have illegal relations in the future, not to commit adultery in the future. And not only that, but included in this is that if I do have illegal relations in the future and commit adultery with somebody else, then all of these curses which we're talking about should come upon me. This is all included in the Gilgal Shavua, according to Rabbi Meir. Mishnah Vobah, Kol Shovin, everybody agrees, Rabbi Meir and the Chachomim in the previous Mishnah, She'ena Masna Imar, that he cannot stipulate with her, he cannot make her swear, and make her accept the curses about relations which she had or will have, Le'al Kedem Shetis before she was even an Arusa to this man, before she received Erisin, which is the first stage of the marriage, nor regarding relations which she will have after she'll be divorced from this man. Because relations which she has at these times would not forbid her to be married to her husband. They're not considered to be adultery, they don't really affect the husband at all. And therefore she does not swear about relations during these periods. Now what happens if the husband who is now taking her to the Bethamitosh as a Saita, earlier on he had divorced this wife, Nistrul Acher, she was alone with another man, she didn't marry him, but Venitmeis had relations with this other man. The Acher Kachachazira, and then this husband who we're talking about who is now taking her to Bethamitosh, he remarried her. And then after remarrying her, she went through Kinnoy and Stira, she's now a Saita, and therefore the husband is bringing her to the Beis HaMikdash. Says the mission, her master Imar, he would not be able to make her swear and accept the curses regarding that period of time that she had relations with the other man when she was not married to this current husband. The reason being that Zaklal, this is the rule, culture to any relations which by having those relations she does not become forbidden to her husband, he was not able to include that in the 
oath and the acceptance of the curses. It should be noted that if after divorcing her she would have married or even received Erosin from another man, then she would be forbidden to remarry her original husband, even without having relations with this other man. There's a prohibition if one divorces their wife and she marries somebody else in between, then he's forbidden to remarry her. However, just by having relations without outside of marriage, having relations with another man, that does not forbid her to remarry her original husband.